having said that, I would have you all turn to Psalm 126. We'll be going to no other verse of scripture today but this one. And uh, I expect to have a time of ministry at the conclusion of it. As you are turning there, please join with me in a brief word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, I humble myself to you, Lord, and just ask you to use me as your vessel to share your word, Lord. And, and, and Lord, speak to us, Lord, your word of truth. Jesus prayed for us, not only his disciples at the time, but all who would believe that would come after them. And that includes us in this generation and beyond. He prayed to you, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. So, Father God, we esteem your word. It is truth. We ask you to sanctify us in it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, as... I was led to share in the scripture, it reminded me that uh, I took a brief break from a series that I had done on the Psalms of Ascent. I, didn't, I did not cover them all, I just covered a few of them. But I was impressed of the Spirit to do another Psalm of Ascent this morning, and uh, particularly Psalm 126. I chose for a title, God Works in His Own Time. He works in His own time. He doesn't react to our circumstances. He doesn't react to our emotions. He doesn't react to our whims and, and changing events in this world. God has a plan. And it is a plan that will not be interrupted. It will not be intervened. It is a plan that is always on schedule. And he keeps his plan. And things will happen according to his plan in his time. Not a moment too late. Not a moment too soon. Doesn't matter how badly we want it to happen sooner. It's not happening. It ain't happening until he has willed it to happen. Are you hearing me? So we start off here in the first three verses. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. You can substitute Jerusalem in there if you like. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. So this psalm speaks of a time at the heels of captivity, 
there's debate around this. Um, I am in the camp that believes it's referencing the uh, Babylonian captivity spoken of in Nehemiah and Ezra, but there's debate about it, but I will say it doesn't matter. What matters is the captivity is ended. I'm sure there were many days in tears that they spent in tears, brokenhearted, longing for a day that they were not in captivity to a heathen nation, longing for a day that they could set foot again in Zion. But it didn't happen. Day by day by day. If you remember months ago, I covered Nehemiah. And there was a battle between him and Hananiah, two prophets, giving very, two very different prophecies about what was going to happen. And the people of God had disobeyed God. They'd gone against him. And they refused to repent. And so God told them that you're going to be taken and held captive and in bondage to Babylon. And it's going to happen. It's going to be that way for 70 years. And Jeremiah prophesied that. But the other prophet came along and said, no, God spoke to me. This thing is going to be over in two years. I got great news for you. It's going to be all good. God's changed his mind on the consequences side. And they ended up squaring off. And Jeremiah told him, he said, God has not told you that. You're relying on God. And because of it, you're not going to live out this year. He died before the end of that year. And guess what? What God had spoken was going to happen. The consequence was going to happen. It happened, and they stayed in Babylon for 70 years. But like on many other occasions where they suffered the wrath of God and ended up being in bondage to some heathen nation, in God's timing, the captivity ended. And the psalmist here in Psalm 126 is speaking of such a time. When? I don't exactly know when. Just like in our own lives, we don't know when God's going to do it, but we know he's going to do it. That word when It's not just a, a singular word. It, 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 it's, it's multifaceted. There, there's different aspects to it. When speaks to uncertainty. I don't know when it's going to happen. But it also, when it comes to the promises of God, it, when also speaks of a certainty. It speaks of a confidence that in, in, in the God that we trust that I don't know when's going to happen, but I know there will be a when. 
And so when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. When God moved, it says they were like those who dream. What is that? It's a kind of a poetic way of saying that they were awestruck. It was as if they had longed for it for so long. When it finally happened, it, it, they wanted to pinch themselves. Is this really happened? We're like those who dreamed. They're so pumped about it. Have you ever wanted something so badly? Prayed to God for it. And then when God gives it to you, you're like, I can't believe it. I guess I'm the only one. That's where they are. Right now, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. It doesn't say that they were, that there was a smattering of laughter. It says that their mouths were filled with laughter. And our tongue filled with shouts of joy. They celebrated God's amazing work with laughter and singing. And I want to point out something here that I don't want us to overlook. You could tell that God did something amazing here. It's not like they punched the clock like at work and that started their captivity and like the end of a work shift, they clocked out and they could just go home. God, it doesn't give a lot of details here, but God worked in such a way that it was obvious that God delivered them from captivity and took them back to Jerusalem. You know how I know that? Because of how the heathen nations responded. Look in verse 2. Now, while the people of God's mouths are filled with laughter and their tongues with shouts of joy, then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. So God brought them out and put them back in Jerusalem. By his divine hand, his divine work. And it was so amazing. The other nations who were able to observe it reached the conclusion, boy, they got, their God must be real. Because what just happened could not have happened in the natural. What happened, these people could not have made happen on their own. They've got a God. And that God ain't like our God. Their God just did some great things for them. And how he worked here. Amen? And then the psalmist, it's like he heard what the nations were saying and says, you know what? The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. I want to encourage you today. Because we all live in different seasons of life. We all go through 
different issues and challenges and hardships and whatever. And you might be in one of those seasons where you're feeling like you're a captive. And you're wondering and you're praying maybe every day, maybe multiple times a day, when, when will it end? You know, when the people of God were leaving Jerusalem, being taken into captivity, or captivity, some of them said as though they were speaking to a loved one that they will be separated from. They're speaking to Jerusalem saying that, basically they were saying, I will never forget you. If I do forget you, may my tongue cleave to the top of my mouth, <laughs> you know? It basically was committing, I will not forget Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the place of peace. There's this place of peace where the presence of God rests. And I will not forget that place no matter how long I have to spend in captivity. I will remember you and I will hope and I will pray and I will trust God that he will return me to that place of peace. I don't know how long it's going to take him, but I know God. And in his time, he'll return me to that place of peace. You know, that place of peace, Jerusalem is a literal place of peace, but, but for us, it's not a literal place. It's a, it's, a, it's a state of being. Far too many people lack peace. Far too many people in the church are held captive. Fears, worries, anxieties, trials, tribulations, world events. We're held captive in our minds. We're held captive in our hearts, our souls. And it's time for us to remember the Prince of Peace. time for us to remember that we have a God who's able to do great things. It's time for us to remember that regardless of how long the season may last, God has a win. His win might not be my win. It may not be when I wanted it, but, but he has a win. And when he moves, he's going to do great things. And when he says win, when he says it's time, there is not a force on this earth that can keep you captive. Are you hearing me?
So the question is, will we wait on him? Though the Lord tarry, will we wait on him? Though the Lord tarry, will we still trust in him? Will we endure in faith? And not give in to our circumstances. So, will we remember God's goodness to us? Back when, it's almost as if they're reminiscing, you know, you remember back when times were better and it was easy to laugh easy to smile. It, it was easy to, 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 to praise. It was easy to shout hallelujah and praise God. And we are victorious because we were in a good season. But when those difficult seasons come, we don't, it, it's tough because when you've lost a loved one, when you've had a, a, a traumatic life event or experience, you know, you don't want to hear platitudes. You don't want to hear, you know, someone say, hey, just keep on reading and praying, you know. I'm not saying you shouldn't be encouraged to do those things, but doing those things are only going to do so much for someone who is going through it. And will continue to go through it until that season is over. You know, you can't harvest in planting season. I, I wouldn't expect you to be able to rejoice in bondage. Are you hearing me? What are you saying? I, I, you know, when I lost my grandmother, now, in my house, it wasn't grandmother, it was big mama. And so, uh, I prayed and prayed and prayed, and uh, she meant so much to me. And I had seen God heal. I had seen God answer my prayers to heal other people. He's ministered to me. And this person who means as much or more to me than anybody else in this world, I was believing God for God to not let her die, and I watched her take her last breath. You know, there, there's, not, <laughs> there's not any words you can really say to someone who, in that situation, that can make them feel better. I had to grieve, and that was a season of grief that I had to go through. And I can't tell you exactly how long, but there was a when 
you know, uh, Christy came down with me. My daughters uh, came down with me. They were very young. And uh, I didn't even think about it at the time, but being growing up in Stillwater, they were marveling that not seeing so many black people in one place before in their lives. And they came out to, and they were like, it's funny, it's like, Dad, there's a lot of brown people around here. I was like, that's, that's neither here nor there. But some of those moments that you look back on in the middle of that, and you're like, well, that's not anything I expected to hear. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, CJ uh, Ellis, a good friend of mine, came down there with me, drove me down there, prayed with prayed with me, with my grandmother and everything, and didn't didn't know what to say other than to give me condolences and everything. And I, I was in a, uh, I don't know if I say dark place, but uh, I, but I wasn't in a good a good place for for several months. And there's nothing anybody could have said that could have shortened that time. It took what it took. God knew what I needed. He had a win. He ministered to me. And um, he healed my grief uh, that I struggled with. And so I wept. I wept hard. I wept a lot. And a lot of times I was ministering, I was <laughs> uh, ministering by the grace of God. Uh, uh, again, I wasn't in the best headspace, but I, I continued to sow. Despite those tears. And that was the season that I was in. Until God said, when? I wasn't expecting to share that. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to go into, into further uh, uh, detail about that, but it was just a time that came to mind right then that was like a, cap a captivity to me that had me sharing, shedding tears many a night over someone who meant so much to me and honestly, feeling let down by God that he didn't answer my prayer. You've healed many people. Why couldn't you heal her? And God had to deal with me with that as well, too. And, um, but I now can rejoice every member of Big Mama. She was a great woman of God and prayed for me, her knuckleheaded grandson. Um, I know her prayers for me played a role in my coming to the Lord and me standing before you here today. And I consider myself a part of her legacy uh, in the Lord. And I rejoice in that. Let's, uh, so let's uh, move on. I want to reiterate 
the nations observing, said the Lord has done great things for them. And the psalmist said the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. And then he switches. Lord, restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. I consider that a biblical principle. Those that sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. And it made me think about this psalm. And I'm thinking, okay, Lord, this psalm starts off with these first three verses and everybody is shouting and praising and rejoicing and they're happy and it feels like it's a dream. They're so awestruck with what God has done. And yet it switches to verse four saying, restore our fortunes, O Lord. And I didn't have to think long about it, but it made me think, you know, they lived in an agricultural uh, community. There were no open shops waiting for them when they returned back to Zion. Remember, the place was laid waste. They were besieged and snatched out of, dragged out in chains to captivity. So they're going back to a place that has not been lived in, tended to, upkept at all. There are no gates or walls of security. There's going to, you know, they're back, but now begins the work. God, thank you for delivering us from captivity. Now that we're here, oh God, please restore our fortunes. Because now it's, it's time. Now, the first part was a divine work of God. It's the grace and favor of God. Only God could, could deliver them from captivity and bring them back. But the next phase, restoring, restoration, getting back to your fortunes, as it were, getting back to some degree of, uh, of what things used to be. That requires something of us. We have to cooperate with God with that. I hope y'all are hearing that. God brought them out and brought them back, but he understands, Lord, restore our fortunes like the streams in the Negev. Those streams at, at certain times of the year were just bone dry. Unless there was a rain that came, a heavy rain, then all of a sudden that which was dry and had no water flow provided, provided nothing at all, all of a sudden those things come down and they provide nourishment and water for everything. All of a sudden that which is, seems dead is full of life. And so they're asking God, restore our fortunes like the streams and then the gap. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. So they're applying themselves. They're ready. 
God, thank you for bringing us back. On the one hand, we're super excited to be back. On the other hand, it's a reminder to us. of how our own rebellious and sinful attitudes cost us this in the first place. We're looking out over the consequences of our sin. And there's a lot of work to be done. It's time to sow. We realize that. You know, you're looking at it over those fields, nothing but weeds and dirt. There's not any color. There's not any vegetables, fruit. There's no grain. There's nothing. All we see is what looks like barrenness on the surface. And, 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 and we're going to have to sow to begin the process of restoring what used to be. And as we do it, It's going to be weighing heavy on us. We're going to be sowing. We're going to sow. But we're going to be crying as we do. A lot of it out of regret. Humble, repentant hearts. We're going to be crying as we do it, but we're going to be sowing. And as we're sowing in tears, the thing that we're going to continue to remind ourselves of and, and, and rest our hope in is we're looking to a day knowing that, they're, that it's going to pay off. We're going to sow in tears. But we know there's a wind coming a time when we're going to be able to reap in joy. Your feeling of captivity, your hardship, you may look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, I just, I caused this. I blamed others at one point, but now I realize it was, it was me. So while you're crying over what you are having to go through, you're also crying over the fact that you made some choices that brought this about. And it weighs on you. Allow me to say this, and it, it might seem a, a bit insensitive, but just know it's not meant in that heart whatsoever. It's, it's meant in love. This doesn't just say you're sowing tears. The sowing tears is the, is the magic pill. We can be sorry about a lot of things. We can cry over a lot of things, but it says that 
those who sow in tears, the seed for sowing. At some point in the middle of our tears, we're going to have to engage God. And we're going to have to begin the process of sowing God's truth into our hearts, into our situation. We're going to have to do something. Now, we can cry as we do it, but are we sowing the seed that God wants us to sow while we are shedding tears? It's not about the tears. It's about the sowing. Amen? It's not about the tears. It's about the sowing. The tears only meant I wanted to bring that out because it's relevant. I think we all can relate to the inner struggles that we go through and the, and, and the, the pains that life can put us through. And we're not robots. Feelings matter in that we have to deal with them and we have to bring even our feelings under subjection to the will of God. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, they're full of regret, full of remorse, probably full of shame, tears streaming from their eyes, but there's work to be done. And I, I, I want to I want to apply, I want you to apply that to yourself. I don't know who all I'm speaking to here today. But I believe there's a reason I was led to cover this. I believe there are people hurting. I believe there are people who are walking out the consequences of, of, of their actions or the actions of someone who has influence over their lives. And, and, and to some degree, there's this feeling of captivity, this feeling of, of bondage, this feeling of being in a desolate place. And, and, and like at least our kids used to do, every time we used to drive to Tennessee, at some point you're going to get, I don't know how many times we got it, we probably should have had a counter, you know, some, something to the effect of are we there yet or how much longer? If you've ever driven that, uh, driven that, you know it's not a short drive. Depending on how fast you drive, it could be 11 hours or 13. But we're like that. I got to thinking about that. We're like that in our walk with the Lord. You know? We're walking with God. We're going through something. And at some point, we're like, are we there yet, God? How much longer? How much longer before this thing is over? Are we there yet? <laughs> you know, our kids were never worried about whether we would get there or not. Daddy or mom had the wheel. They knew where we were going. But every once in a while, they get impatient. How much longer? And that's how we are with God in life a lot of times. God, 
I think, I think I've had enough here. I think this uh, message received, all right? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Can this thing end? And God's like, nope. God works in his own time. This season will end in God's predetermined will. So it's our job to just sit there and relax. We can stress ourselves out and ask God every day, every week, when is it going to be over? Or we can just rest and know that God's in control. He's got his hand on the wheel. And we'll get there when we get there. (laughs) Amen. We'll get there when we get there. He's faithful. God knows what he's doing. He knows the direction. And the destination will be arrived in due time. And I think God does it in our lives a lot of times to help us develop patience, ability to trust, uh, to trust him. Even though we don't see the end from the beginning like he does. Some of you are weeping. And I'm going to ask the uh, sound booth to play just some soft worship music. And I want to give us an opportunity to let God minister to us today. This is no indictment. Don't be afraid. It's no indictment against anybody. Everybody goes through it. And don't worry about if anybody is thinking about you funny or looking at you sideways. But I feel like This body has so many people who just pretty much are always thinking about others and always have your servant hat on. And you do a good job of of sowing in tears. We ministered to some leaders up there at Ben's church in Zacatecas. And I think it was the most rewarding thing that we did there. It's mostly a, a ladies. So faithful. I observed them operating and how they put others first and and never complaining they're just whatever the need is they applied themselves to it if anyone needed to be lifted up or needed to be ministered to they were there on the spot and they would do it whether it was within a church service or out of a church service they were that's just who they are and how they operated and we got the blessed opportunity to just encourage them and minister to them And as we asked them what it was we could pray, if there was anything that we could pray with them about, they began to share. And true to form, 
they wanted us, their hearts were burdened over loved ones. Loved ones who had either fallen away from the Lord or have yet to come to know the Lord and their lives were in some level of disarray and in their hearts, each one of them, all grandmothers, either it was either one of their children or their grandchildren. I wouldn't have known it if we didn't have that concentrated time where we were able to pull that out of them. But in that moment, they prayed. And I tell you, we put a little chair out there and let them come one by one. And and we only prayed if God gave us something specific. So I, I felt led to, let's not all force anything. If God gives you something for this, for this woman, you pray it. If he doesn't, then he's got something for you for one of the other ones that are coming. And so they only got what God had for them. And each of these women were just broken. Not just, they were in tears. They were so appreciative. They felt so loved. They felt, you know, uh, they felt so encouraged. So blessed. And they gave us all these tearful hugs that only a grandmother can give. And it was a, a beautiful thing. But they had burdens. They were, they were sowing in tears. And, and God said some things to them that really uplifted them and, and, and encouraged them about what the future holds, what the future may hold for their wayward children and grandchildren. And I, I want to give us opportunity for such a time uh, as that. So I'll ask you, what are you weeping for? What is it? Now, you may be doing the good thing and you're sowing. You're sowing seeds of faith seeds of faithful obedience unto God and you're sowing through your weeping whatever it is that you're weeping I'd like for you to bring it on up and just give it to God right now and so let's just the spirit of the living God is here and he's here to minister if we will allow him to hallelujah going to ask you all to stand. And if you're in a season of weeping, a season of hardship, a season of strain and, and difficulty and things that have you weeping, then come on out to the front here just before God and and just give it to the Lord and give us an opportunity to love on you like we were able to love on those those ladies in Mexico. Good ladies, good servant heart leaders,
ministering to people in love and obedience to God, and yet they themselves needed to be ministered to. There's nothing wrong with needing to be ministered to. to do business with God and just and, and 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 just make a commitment to God that you're not just going to settle for the weeping. The weeping is a sign of your emotional state, but you're not going to let the emotional state prevent you from sowing seeds of righteousness, sowing seeds of faith, sowing in obedience to God. 